Okay, why don't you just pull out your message notes. The, the, for those of you that are new, we have them either in a handout version or you can go to the app, uh, Anchor Bin TX. You just go to the app store. You can download our app, and then there's a place that says messages, and then it has all the notes. Um, I do want to let you know if you are brand new, today is Vision Sunday, and it's a little bit different than what we normally do in our flow, um, but it's important for us as a church uh, to really say, okay, what is the vision? How are we engaging in the vision? And then um, seeing what God wants us to do. And even if you're new, here's what I love. God, God brought you here. And so if you just, just listen. We're not, we don't want anything from you. We're not expecting anything from you. But for whatever reason, God has brought you here. Maybe you're worshiping online or listening online. Um, just, just open your heart. Celebrate with us. We've got some great things we celebrate and then we are going to talk about uh, what God is doing and where we are going. Now, this year we celebrate 10 years as a church. March, yeah. <laughs> March 17, 2013 is when we launched. We launched in the movie theater. Um, and I would not do it now. I'm not launching a church where there's loungers. <laughs> Back then there were no loungers. Are you, could you imagine just prop it? Preach, pastor. I'm like, no. Sit on up and uh, you at church. Not in your living room. And, uh, but we did. We launched March 17, 2013. We grew. We moved into BF Terry. And we were in BF Terry till uh, just the end of 2021. And then all of last year, 2022, we got into our brand new campus. And uh, it has been absolutely amazing. This journey has been a miracle. There have been ups. There have been downs. There have been good times. There's been tough times. Um, and what I want to make sure that you understand is that nobody can take credit for what God is doing. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's, it's because of God Almighty, and he allowed us to be a part of his story. And I just, you got to give God the credit for what he's doing. Look, look we, we've reached in the last decade 9,270 people who have said yes to Jesus. We've been making disciples training our children, reaching and empowering young people. Like Alexandra, I was thinking over here, she's 15 years old standing on the stage leading us in worship. we got camera operators that are 16. We have our, not only do the adults teach our children, but what we actually have is students that teach our children. And they're a part of learning. And why? Because we're, we're going to teach and equip and train them to be disciples uh, just like Jesus wants, not just the adults. Um, we've grown. I know I've grown personally. Uh, I don't know about you, but 10 years, there's a lot of personal growth. Uh, every year I'm growing. And, you know, my litmus test is not, am I better than them? My litmus test, am I, am I better than myself? Have I gotten better? And I, I'm always like, God, am I better today than I was yesterday? And if the answer is yes, even if it's just a little bit, then I'm winning. And uh, I think corporately as a church, that's been our mentality. We're getting better as a church. And all that God has allowed us to do, and we're growing. And here's what I love is that not only are we growing, we're thriving. That God is on the move. The church is not dead. The church is alive and well. And the church is not pitiful. The church is powerful. And there is an army that is rising up. And uh, I can't speak to, I'm speaking to this place, our house. And I can tell you, it is just the beginning. A decade later, I'm not fatigued, I'm not tired, I'm not weary. I'm focused, energized, excited, 
You're going to have to work hard to contain what God has put inside of me. I'm just telling you, there is something supernatural that is happening, and we're right poised to be in the middle of it. Uh, and when we talk about Vision Sunday, why? Go to Amos chapter 3, verse 3. If you've got notes, you pull them out. If you've got your Bibles, you can pull those out. But why is it important? So, Pastor, you're excited. That's great. Why are, we, why are we doing this Vision Sunday? Because Amos says, can two people walk together without agreeing on a direction? So you coming in on a Sunday morning doesn't give you the direction we're walking in. And I know we have next steps, but this is where we corporately come together and we say, hey, there's a direction that we're going in. And here's the beautiful part about it. It's a divining line. Some of you, you could sit here today and say, well, I don't, I, that's not where I want to go. Cool. There is a place that is going in the direction that you want to go. And here's what I'd add. I don't want to lose you, but isn't it great to say, hey, this is my spot. This is what I love. I believe everybody else, we're like, man, that's it. That's the charge. That's the clarion call. This is what we're moving. I could give my life for that. And that's the beauty of it. That's what vision does. Vision gives us life. In fact, when you look at Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, people perish. They're dying, whether physically or internally. And someone say, well, do they physically die? Well, yeah, when you don't have vision, you get strung out on drugs, you make bad decisions, and people physically die. Someone says, you know, oh, well, they're just, they're strung out. They're, they're addicts or they're lazy. No, no, no. They're not, nobody's, nobody's lazy. They're without vision. Because vision is what births discipline. Think about this. When you got a vision that's greater than what you're doing now and that compels you forward, I mean, you don't need nobody to wake you up in the morning. I don't need nobody to call me and ask and remind me to come up and show up and serve. No, there's something inside. I'm living for something greater. And that's my challenge even as we label generations. No, no, they just haven't had no vision. They're drifting aimlessly. And so the point of today is, look, I'm going to give you some vision. This is where we're going. And hopefully you get excited about what God is doing in Anchor Bend. And I even thought today, Anchor Bend, I'm not going to take for granted. Somebody said, why Anchor Bend? You know, because the name, Anchor Bend, we used to be called the church. Anybody remember what we called the church? Robert still wears a couple of those shirts. And I'm like, Robert, we ain't the church no more. We, we Anchor Bend. <laughs> Somebody said, what is this? So here, here's the whole deal. The only reason why we changed the name is we were in a marketing meeting. And uh, we were just trying to rebrand. We'd been a church for six years or so, and we just needed some fresh rebranding. The guy said, hey, are you open to change the name? I said, well, not really. Well, we sat in the meeting, and we had a discovery conversation, and we realized that though we were growing as a church, the invitation became about our name and not the invitation. So here's how it went. Hey, we want to invite you to church. Well, what church? The church. The church? Like the church? No, no, not the church, just the church. That, that's your name? Yeah, yeah. Where's it at? The church? Like that's... So now it's about a conversation on a name. Why don't we just be the church and have a name that causes no other conversation except come and accept my invitation? That's the only reason why we changed it. But a lot of people say, well, what does it mean? Well, Anchor Ben is actually the knot that holds a rope and an anchor together. We're not the rope, that's you. We believe people are the rope and God's the anchor. But as a church, can we be the thing that connects you to God? So it's so an anchor bend. So that's who we are. That's, that's been the whole identity is, man, we just want to connect you to God. Don't look to us because we're pointing the way. 
What's our mission? Is to live moment ready, reaching people with the love of God, helping them become fully devoted followers of Jesus. I had someone in the first service, I met her before the first the service started, and she said, there is something special, tangible. And she was saying this, I felt loved. That, that's really what you're feeling because what, what, what we find is people don't care about the perfection, they care about the spirit. They care about what they feel. They care about, because they'll let all the other things go if they can feel what they're searching for and what people are looking for is love. When Jesus went to the center, it wasn't condemnation, it was love. Now, the thing I love about Jesus was he never compromised the truth. When Jesus loved them, there was a defining moment where a choice had to be made. And so don't, don't kid yourself, love doesn't cause compromise. Love just lowers the walls. And so we're going to help reach people with the love of God, helping them become what? Here's the end goal. This is going to be the deciding factor of whether or not we have won as a church. You become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. If that is not your goal, then long term, this probably won't be a great fit. Because eventually, and let me just say this, you're here now if you're wounded, if you just need healing, if you're in the right place. But there comes a point in time where God calls everyone off the bench. And that's the progress of moving forward. We're moving to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And you don't have to do anything right now. You're new. Maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe you're not even Christian. You don't have to do anything. But there is a focus of what we're leading you to. Here's the vision. Know God. Find freedom. Discover your purpose. Make a difference. That is our vision. We want every person to know God. We want every person to find freedom. We do that in the context of small groups, relationships. Discover your purpose. Next steps. How do I uncover who God's called me and created me to be? And then ultimately, this is the other litmus test. Are you making a difference with your life? Our mission and vision, they're clear. That's who we are. Now, 2023, we have a focus. Listen, the mission and vision never change. And you're going to see we're already doing what we're called to do. But now there's a clarity and a focus for 2023, and here is our focus, to build an unstoppable church. Let me say it again. To build an unstoppable church. An unstoppable church. Unstoppable. That we're going to fulfill a mission, we're going to fulfill a vision, but we also want to focus on building a church that isn't swayed by what's happening in culture. Pandemic, no pandemic. Racism, no racism. Economic downturn, no downturn. See, when you understand that God has called us to focus on him and to build the church, nothing else matters. We don't get sidetracked. We don't get derailed. We stay focused on God. This is your church. You're coming. I need you to know Jesus is going to come back. He is. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a movie. It's not some speculation. The same way Jesus ascended, he is coming back. He's riding a horse and he's coming back for his bride. And I'm just telling you, I think it's sooner than later. But even if it's not, I'm going to live as if it is. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken... This is a passage that has kept me up because when I look at God's kingdom is unshakable, 
but it looks like we have been very shaken. And what I have found is the more of his kingdom that is within me, the more immovable I become. I'm not shaken. So I'm more committed to get his kingdom in this church. That's why we're going back to biblical clarity like never before. And look, it says, let us have grace, grace. That's his power and his desire. By which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And then look at Matthew 16, 18. I love this passage. This is where Jesus is talking to the disciples. And it's a defining moment for him because he says, who do you say that I am? They say, well, they say, you know, they're going to talk about John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, some of the prophets. And I love how Jesus said, I'm not saying what the people have said. I'm asking you. In other words, everyone has to make this declaration yourself. Not your parents, not your kids, not your grandparents. You have to come to this deciding factor. And Peter, I love Peter. He boldly proclaims. What everybody was probably thinking, but he's going to state it. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then look at how Jesus responds in verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, which is very interesting. You'll never find your true identity until you rightly define who Jesus is. Notice that. He defines Jesus. Jesus said, now you're in a posture. I'm going to define you. And who is Peter? Peter's rock. Now, he didn't look like a rock, hadn't acted like a rock, hadn't done all the things that a rock does. But your identity is not what you do. It's who you are. It's who God made you to be. And so here he is. He raises him up and he says, upon this, the revelation of who Jesus really is and the revelation of your true identity, I will build my church. Make no mistake about it. This is not my church. We legally formed this church, but this is God's church. He can do whatever he wants, anything he wants, whatever you want to do, God, this is your church. And look at what he says here. This is the part, the gates of hell will not overcome it. We are going to build an unstoppable church. You want to come with me? You want to do, I feel like I'm holding up my fish for all of us old people, the Jerry Maguire moment. <laughs> Young people are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> so how do we do it? This is what we do. We're already doing it, but we're laser focused. Number one, we're going to equip believers. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service. The only way you're going to build an unstoppable church is to unlock the ministry that's within people. So what? The body of Christ might be built up. How do we do it? Well, we do it through Sunday services. Sunday services are dual focus. We're focused on raising disciples, but we do it in a way that you can bring your lost friends. It's a both end. It doesn't have to be an either or. So in other words, I'm going to do my best to relate to everybody, but I'm going to preach the truth. And I'm not shying away from hard topics. Small groups, next steps classes, dream team, corporate prayer, youth nights. These are just a few of the things that we do. We're going to continue to do what we've always done. Just a little more laser focused. 
Second thing is we're going to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is Jesus about to ascend to heaven. He's given the last charge to his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. <laughs> I, just, I just need you to know how much this means to me. All nations. Black, white, Hispanic, Filipino, Asian, Nigerian, Guatemalan, American, Indian. <laughs> and here, here's the thing that I love about it. I think we represent all nations. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. Like it is that here, and here's what I love even more. Here's what's happened. I've got my Nigerian Families that come in. I haven't come in. My family came from Nigeria. They're here this week. They've been here for two weeks. I've been bringing them to church. Some gave their life to Jesus in this place, and they're going back to Nigeria. Sometimes we go, but sometimes we have to build something where they come. And we're going to do both. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, not what's easy. Not what's culturally acceptable. So what's our mission? Is that each one of you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And here's the progression. So just so you know, I talked about it in our series. I've decided the progression of following Jesus is there's the crowd. Those are the ones that are, hey, come and see. Then there's the congregation. You've been coming a while. The, the invitation to you is join us. Be a part of it. Make this your home. And let's continue to move forward to the second place, which is the committed this is, I'm here to grow. Like I just, I'm, I'm not only going to show up on a Sunday, but I'm, I'm actually going to grow. And then it leads down to the core, which is I'm here to serve. I don't, I've been growing. I've been healing. Now I'm ready to give what I've received. And then the last is the commission. This is the go and tell. And throughout the whole process, of course, we're telling people about Jesus. But I also believe even in the commission that God's going to send missionaries from here to other countries. But I also believe he's going to send them to other places in the United States that are dark, that have no light. I mean, the days of thinking every person has heard of Jesus is a fallacy. The days of saying everybody's been in church, it's just not true. I met someone the other day. They actually came to our church. I've had two people recently come that have said, I've never been in a church my entire life. America's a great mission field. We're going to... Go and tell. Here's how we're going to do it as well when we talk about making disciples. And I want you to see this. This is an area that we are actually focusing on right now that has been a focus, but we've had to rebuild some things. And this year, you're going to see it like never before. We are focusing on generational discipleship. Generational. I need you to see this. Nine years old, at the age of nine, your child will be discipled. To become a follower of Jesus. Not just out in a classroom. Systematically. What does it look like? We're working on it. 9 to 11. So that's what we call our little leaders. I actually prototyped this before the pandemic. And some of those children are leading the church right now as 16, 17 year olds. I'm telling you. It works. We had to rebuild. Had some time. This is a year. Generational discipleship. 12 to 14 year old junior high tweens. 15 to 18-year-old high schoolers, 19 to 21-year-old young adults, 22 to 65 adult discipleship, men and women, 65 and older are seasoned saints. I need you to know you are loved, 
You are valued. You are in the right place. You have not been discarded. The best days of your life are right ahead. We need you. And we're going to engage you. Here's what I love about old people. I say old people. My granny, granny, how old are you? 86. So don't be offended when I say old people. I didn't mean it as hard as that came out. It was like, whoop, whoop. You just loved on us and you just hit us. <laughs> I didn't mean it. It just kind of came out that way. But I tell granny all the time, granny, I need you. Where's your small group? Where's your small group? And uh, she got her little small group and they go do coffee and but I, I like the older generation, too. Listen, you got wisdom and money. And it's a, it's a fallacy for us to just go after young people. Young people just have passion and energy. But they broke. <laughs> and they dumb <laughs> at times. <laughs> so I don't want to go after just all the older and all the... It's like, can we get a church that generationally is a disciple-building machine and says, I'm not discarded and I'm not unvalued, but we work together in every season. That's, that's, that's what we're focused on this year, and we're going to build it like never before. And it may take us a couple of years, but we ain't coming off this. And I hear somebody say, well, that sounds like indoctrination starting at nine years old. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Well, I don't agree with that. That's, that's okay. Watch what we build. Don't you think that the world's not indoctrinating our kids? They got an agenda and a plan. It's time for us to have a plan. It's time to us to make this a priority. Here's the third thing. And this is, we're going to fight for families. So if you had a three-legged stool, these are the stools. We are fighting for families. We're focused on this. So, and, and I'm not talking about just spiritual families. I think we do that pretty naturally well. But somehow we have missed the mothers, the fathers, the husbands, the children. And they've gotten lost in our eagerness. But here's what I know. Look at Nehemiah. And, and I want to read this because this is, has been on Phyllis and mine our heart, and then even with our staff. Look, it says the Jews. Now, Nehemiah was commissioned to go rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. It had been destroyed, and so he's going. He's rallying God's people, and the enemy destroyed it, wants it to lay in ruins, and Nehemiah has a charge. God has put it in his heart to go rebuild the wall, and the enemy is relentless and continues to destroy because a wall is defense, protection, safety. And so here's what we see in verse 12. It says, the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So just know this, the enemy is on a full out assault. Every direction, this is where we're living. So look at what Nehemiah says. He said, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by Families. I wonder if God hasn't called us to position families in the places where walls have been destroyed. We're trying to put staff members and individuals. And here's what I firmly believe. God calls families. 
And so the enemy can say, yeah, you husband, you wife, you can stand by yourself, but I'm going to take your kids, I'm going to take your marriage, and you could be spiritual all day long, and you can think by one person, you alone, you can do it. But if he destroys the family unit, the strength is in the family. God, we're called as a family to do this. I'll never forget the Balderas family. Right there, raise your hand. Years we were portable, and I wasn't planning on saying this, but this is what just came to my mind. Stand up for me, because I want to honor you. Years. Your whole family, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. The, one, the boys, too. Okay, yep. Yeah. They would have, listen, we were portable for years. Year, it was eight years. This family, it wasn't just the husband. Kids, all of them pushing boxes, setting up, tearing down. It used to touch my heart. Every day I'd come around and say, you're loved. I can't believe what you're doing. You're leading your This is what it's all about. They understood it wasn't just about a daddy pushing a box. It was about, I'm going to train my kids to build God's church. It's not just one person, but it's all of us. I just want you to know, we are who we are today because of your sacrifice. Every week, never complain, never quit. We love you. Tell them how much you love them. Look at what it says, armed with swords and spears and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. I need you to know this. I'm, I'm not afraid of the devil. He'd show up not afraid of demons. Just got to remember this. The God of heaven is within you. He's within me. Why are we afraid? Nehemiah wasn't afraid. Now, here's what we got to do is we got to be very aware. Close the doors. Live clean. So here's what he says. He said, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And look at what he says. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. We are more committed than ever, laser-focused on fighting for our family. So we are on a mission right now to improve our children's ministry, our youth ministry. Are we building healthy marriages? Are we restoring broken families? We're fighting for it. Now, we've already been doing it, so I'm not telling you we're, we're changed. We've been doing it. We are just laser-focused because if we can do this, we can build an unstoppable church. So here's a few things that we do. We have weekly kids experiences and services. We have youth services happen every week. Small groups. We got youth, young adult, marriage, family, parenting. We do events and conferences. The Stronger Marriage Night. What are we doing? Trying to just add some to our calendar? No. We're fighting for our marriages. Well, I don't feel like going. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things I don't feel like doing. But do you want to fight for your marriage? You probably ought to show up. Well, I'm not in trouble now. No, but you will be. <laughs> Anybody been married? I've been married 22 years. There are seasons. And so you don't go when you're in crisis. The best time to go is when you're not in crisis, so I don't get in crisis. Men's night. You know, we had our 12th men, we, men at night. We have our women's fight nights, vacation Bible school, summer youth conference. That's one of the reasons why I tell you, look, the youth, my teenagers, they ain't got a choice. I don't want to go. Okay. They don't want to go to school, but you make them go to school. Right? And we do that just so they don't get in trouble. What if we wanted to fight for our family and say, this is the year, son, 
your butt is going to use. I don't want to. I know. But I'm fighting for my family. Might have to get off work a little early to drop them off at use. I know, but you're fighting for your family. Youth internship. Why would I do it? Well, because we're going we're to help train them up and raise them up. Isn't it exciting? Clarity, vision. We're going to walk together. Now, where are we at right now? Let me just tell you the health of our church. And I like graphs, our whole team. I love graphs. So here's a graph of where we were and where we are. Now, I didn't decide, we didn't go back all the way to the beginning. We went pre-COVID, post-COVID. It's kind of our litmus test because pre-COVID, we were, we were moving forward. And then today is where we're at post. It's kind of a defining moment. So pre-COVID, uh, in 2019, we were at 809 people on a weekend, average. You know, there were moments where we tipped over, moments where we dipped under, but an average, 809. Uh, then COVID hit, and we dropped down to 519 on weekend. And so somebody says, is this membership? We just do attendance. Membership, I, just who shows up? So... 2021 is 441. If you remember, we started coming back from COVID. Uh, and in this time, we're out five months, no, no meeting together, just like everybody else. We were in BF Terry, which was really difficult. There would be Sundays we'd show up at BF Terry, and the school just didn't have patience for you after COVID. So there'd be, we'd walk in ready to do children's and say, all you got is an auditorium in the hallways. We're like, well, it looks like we're just putting babies in hallways. Everybody else just going to church, you know. Just the reality of where you live when you don't have a building. Then 2022, God began to move. We got the building, brand new, finished. We celebrated our grand opening the 1st of January. And 640 uh, is where we were last year. And I need you to know this. This is where it's like I, I don't care about the mass numbers, but every number represents a person. And what you have to know this, because somebody said, well, it ain't about the numbers. Well, it is. Jesus was all about the one. He counted the 99 plus the one. He knew how many sheep he had. You know, anytime you look at Jesus, he was always very exact. Any person. So you count what's important. And what it is, is it's a dashboard. Like if I'm driving a car, I need to have a dashboard of health. Well, look at where we're at right now in 2023. This is just January. We have now officially exceeded our pre-COVID numbers. 821. Now, let's look at giving. And I just want you to know the health of your church. Your church is strong. God is moving. We ain't even gotten to the relationship series. I'm just telling you. So now giving, one of the things that defines the, the core and people that say this is my church is they give. So in 2019, again, our average is about 809. We have 673 giving units. Pretty good, about 80 some odd percent, something like that for participation of giving units. Uh, we brought in $1,147,095.57 in general tithes and offerings. And then our legacy offering, um, this was $208,866.95 for a total of $1,355,962.52. So now let's compare post-COVID. So that's pre-COVID. And remember, 2019 is when we're getting ready to buy this building. December, I stood up on the stage, said we need to raise a million dollars. We need to pledges. So in 2022, we've got 617. Somebody said, well, why is there less engagement when we have more attendance? Discipleship and giving takes about a three-month on-ramp. So because what will happen is you'll show up, and now you've got to say, do I trust the pastor? 
Is the money being stewarded right? Do I feel anything funny? And it takes usually about two to three months for the onboard of, this is my church, I can trust them. So that's what you're feeling right here is that little gap of attendance is up, but now people are testing the waters. So then we brought in $1,067,684.48. Legacy was $246,744.12 for a total of $1.3 million, which is $1,314,458.60. Look at how close the comparison is. We're right on track. What does that mean? That means God is moving. I need you to know that there are churches all across America that have not gotten back to their pre-COVID numbers. I have churches across America, and I've mentored and coached them that have shut the doors because they just they can't do it. We're not surviving. We're not trying to make it. We are making it and thriving and growing. And 2019 was a special year. We started the journey to buy the building. We launched what we called the Moving Forward Campaign. How many remember that? I stood up on the stage, and one of the conditions for us to buy this building uh, at, the, at the time was we needed to raise a million dollars, and we needed a million dollars in pledges. And so I'll never forget standing on the stage in December and saying, Either this is going to be the best thing or the craziest thing, and did it. And here's what you guys did. Through the grace and power of God, we raised $1,192,000. And then what happened was, you guys pledged. It was a two-year pledge. So we gave and we said, look, over the next two years, to help cover the cost and do what we've got to do, we're going to give another million. You, get, you pledged $1,096,630. Now here's what happened next. Of the $1,096,000 that was pledged, we received 34%, which is $383,612. Now, for us, we're in the middle of COVID. If you walk this out, you never heard me say anything really about the pledges because I, I'm a shepherd. I'm going to lead my sheep. And right now, the last thing I need to do is beat anybody up and say, you didn't do your pledges. No, no, I'm like, hey, take care of your families. Hey, do what you got to do. God is going to move. We're going to make it. And so, but it still left an un, unpaid pledge of $713,018 in our capital campaign. So let me say it like this. There was a shortfall. There was a gap. And then what had to happen was we had to dip into our savings. We typically keep about $350,000 in reserves. And uh, we began to have to dip in, whether it was construction or the cost of just the, the notes and everything else we're doing. So we had to start filling in the gap. And then the construction costs doubled. So I don't know, anybody try to build anything in the middle of COVID? <laughs> Let me tell you this. Bobby's our CFO right here sitting on the front. And if it wasn't for him, this man is a gift. Bobby, you are a gift. You're a gift. I'm telling you, you were built for battle. You carried some weights nobody will ever know about. Here's what happened in the middle of it. Construction costs went from $2.3 million to $5 million. That's just construction. And it was going up an average of 10% a month. So where we started off being able to afford a building in the process, you know, the whole process, now here it is, it's like, wow, okay, this is a little bit of a, little bit of a challenge. Which then made the monthly note $33,000. So I actually did the average of it. A Sunday is about $60-something, $6,700 
a Sunday. Because the reason why I look at that, which is not really the equation of this building, is Terry was like that. How much does a Sunday cost? And so the building is, is expensive, $33,000 a month. Now, what I want you to know this is we were already almost paying that. Because once we bought the building, there was a ticking clock. So you got a mortgage, you got to pay it. So just to sit on this property cost us $17,500. Then to rent BF Terry and then to have the Dream Center, which is where we, we house our staff in First Wednesdays, we were spending $31,000 a month. But it's okay because we got margin, right? We got this margin, we're moving forward. But as construction costs are increasing, margin is decreasing. The question that our team had to answer was, do you want 31,000 in three locations or do you want thir- or 31,000 in three locations or do you want 33,000 in one finished location? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a business guy. That's a no-brainer. And so we get the benefit of this miracle each and every week. And praise the Lord, God provided. The first couple of months, 2021, 20, um, we had interest only. It allowed us to get in. Some things happen. It's great. Now, 2022, I need you to know this. Every month, we have needed a miracle to pay this mortgage. So for 12 months, we have needed a miracle to pay this mortgage. Now, here's what's amazing. You've never felt it. You've never experienced it. You would never know it. And that's the grace of God, the power of God. That's the ability of our team to carry a weight that God called us to carry. Well, then our margin dipped down. We continued to pay. Through the summer, Phyllis and I loaned the church $50,000. Covered us through the summer. Then I met with our legacy team. Bobby, myself, Phyllis. Hey, we got to meet. Legacy team are those who give over and above. They've done it from day one. Carried the mail. Given most of the $1.5 million. We began to talk about it. They covered the fall deficit. But then now here we are today. And we need another miracle. So the miracles happen. Well, God has provided. With our monthly payment now doubled. And again, it wasn't that when we started the process. We could well afford where we were at. In fact, we designed it so we would have margin. Because we never fully, we're not going to build a budget that's 100%. We build a 90% budget, which means every year we have 10% margin. Plus the extra. We call that land yap. The extra. Whatever grows, it just goes, and then we use that how God wills. So let me tell you the current reality. Here's the current reality. Because I want to give you, here's, it would be irresponsible for me to give you the vision, but not where we're at. So I'm going to cast the vision. This is where God's taking it. But let me just tell you where we're at. And I need you to know this. God is on the move in this church. So here's the current reality. We have zero dollars in our reserve account today. I mean, we have enough to float the bills, but I mean, it's reserved. There's nothing. This is typically 350000 or more. And let me say it like this. You might understand it like this. We're living Sunday to Sunday. Anybody ever live paycheck to paycheck? Second thing you need to know, January's mortgage is past due with a balance of $18,000. So we paid 15000 last week. So now we're eighteen. That's January. Then... February's was due February 4th of $33,000. So now we're past due with February. The total mortgage payment right now that is due just to bring us current for February is $51,000 right now today. 
Now, the reason that's important to know this, we've gotten behind one time before, but the legacy team stepped up, got us out. You guys gave in the legacy offering. We were able to catch it up. January 1st, we were caught up. But here's the ticking of the clock. January 4th, another 33,000 was due. And that's where, for us, I need you to see this. Projected monthly, there is a shortfall of $25,000 a month. Now, you can see the math. That's, that's our building. Because in Terry, we could do Terry for about 8000 a month. So, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? You see how back then there's a shortfall even with the increase we might have. So here's, here's what I want you to know. We need a miracle. Here's what I want you to hear too, though. I, just, I need you to hear this. The church is not dying. The church is not struggling. The church is not hurting. We are moving forward. We're healthier than we've ever been. I, I need you to see this. Look at me. I'm not afraid. I'm not anxious. I'm not losing sleep. Why? Because I've carried weight before. I understand that God is going to move. And I need you to hear this. I'm not even saying that he's going to move to where we keep the building. Here's what I'm saying. The church is not this building. That's what I'm saying. We are the church. I was portable before, and I can be portable again. Oh, I like driving up. I like the story of God as the champion and all these things. And it has been true. Miracle after miracle after miracle has happened. But now there's a reality. We need another miracle. And I want you to know, God comes through, to God be the glory. God doesn't come through, to God be the glory. I'm still your pastor. This is still our church. We just going to have to figure something else out. So here's the four responses. Number one, there's an immediate response. We can give a one-time gift today. We can give this week, this month, over and above our regular giving. That'll help us catch up January and February, which is, again, $51,000. Now, I want to just put this in perspective for you. Because somebody might be thinking, $51,000. And I get it. it. It is a lot. But when you do the numbers, last, or January, last month, we, we do giving units. Kind of it helps us break things down. And again, we had 617 last year. But just in January, not 617 people are giving units gave. We had 257 giving units. If just those giving units who have already given were to step up and give $198.44 extra, $51,000 goes away. Am I telling you to give that? Not at all. That's why I'm not giving you another example. What I'm showing you is the strength of our church. Like, that's not even adding new givers. That's nobody saying, I'm going to do something. That's just the ones who have already said, this is my house and I give. I'm going to do a little bit extra. So it's the goal. This month, an immediate response would have to be pay off January and February. I can tell you right now, I'm on a call every Tuesday, and the bank's patience is getting really thin. You have to understand commercial property, they can come in and lock you out any moment. House different. Commercial, they've been working with us, riding with us, going with us, but now it's the second time we're behind. So there's an immediate, like, it's got to pay this off, got to catch it up. Second thing, sustained response. Not only a one-time gift, and I, I need you to know the reality of where we're at. This is, 
It's got to be a consistent increase in giving every month of at least $25,000 more of where we're at. It's got to be over and above tithes because if you take from tithes and you add to this, well, that doesn't really work. And it's got to go all the way until 2013. I mean, until the end of 2023, to the end of this year. What are we going to do after that? I don't know. It depends on how our church grows and what happens. But I also want you to see this, and you need to hear this. I am so proud of our church. You guys are givers. You are generous. You are sacrificial. It is because of you that we're even standing here. And that is why I'm not going to browbeat you. We've been carrying this for 12, we've been carrying 12 months, and you've never heard me ever beg for money. And I'm not begging now. I'm just telling you the reality. What you decide to do as a church is, is up to each one of us. And so why? Because according to the national average, we're healthy. We just ended up in a building we cannot afford. There are circumstances that caused it. But regardless of the past, we've got to move forward with vision. Here's the third thing, the miraculous response. I'm asking God that we would get multiple one or multiple large gifts to pay off the debt in full. $5.5 million, pay it off in full. I would love to stand before you and rip up the deed and say, this campus is paid off debt free. And then we're going to make a resolve. We ain't getting in debt anymore. I don't care if that land is $1.7 million. We're going to raise $1.7 million. And when we raise it, we'll buy it. And if we don't raise it, then that's not our land. But we're not going to let vision outpace our people. And if we want to raise up families that are debt-free, we've got to be a church that's debt-free. So that's what I'm believing for, a miraculous response. The, the least part of that is here's the goal. You know, could we pay off the mortgage, $5.5 million, or at least build the reserves to $350,000? i got to tell you, you know, we don't operate with zero in reserves. And that's what makes the, the it's like, no, we're going to build that up. Here's the fourth response. Do nothing. And then here's what will happen. The bank will repossess this building. And listen to me. I didn't say the church is going to dissolve. <laughs> I don't care. You put me in that open field. Sunday of hope. And we're going to grow. We're going to see lives changed. I met a lady last week. I think it might have been Wednesday night. She said, Pastor, I went to the Sunday of Hope. You were out there with the cars, and I was there. I got baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. My family has never been the same in a car. And she said, we're here. We're locked in. I just needed you to know it was that Sunday of Hope. So you put me in a parking lot. You put us portable at BF Terry. You put us in another location. Doesn't matter why. The church is healthy. The church is strong. The church is striving and thriving and moving forward. We are the church. Separate a building from who we are. We're not going to stop. We're going to make disciples. We're going to equip believers. We're going to fight for families. I'm going to close with this passage, this scripture. First Chronicles chapter 29. David was building the temple of the Lord. And it's, it's a passage that I have really been so fascinated with and studied. And it was amazing because here you have this man that is passionate about building a house for the Lord. And he uses his resources to do it. He gives out of his private treasury. And not even just a little bit, but he literally gives everything to the house of God. And here he tells us why he's doing it. Look at verse 3. 
of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Moreover, because I delight in the house of my God. So he says, look, the personal treasure that I have had of gold and silver I give to the house of my God in addition to all that I have already provided for his holy house. And he goes on and he lists by name the amount or the, the lists the amount to the people. It's fascinating. I mean, this man, it's, this is history's greatest offering for the house of God. 20 billion was given and much of which was given from the man of God. And so here's a couple of things I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you... I want you to hear what Phyllis and I have decided. Doing nothing for us is not an option. It's not an option. Um, we didn't get here to not do something. So now whatever happens, happens. And I'm not going to act like I know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. I'm not going to no, surround do nothing. So the church owes us a $50,000 debt. This is the promissory note. Um, we are canceling it. So the church doesn't owe us anything. We are, the church to us is debt free. So we have canceled it. It is paid in full. It is, that's it. It's been forgiven and canceled. Here's the second thing Phyllis and I have decided to pledge $100,000. It's going to take me a couple of months. We're moving some assets. We've got, to, we've got some things we've got to do. It's probably going to take me two, three months. But when it does, we're going to write a check, and that check is going to be for $100,000. And we decided no matter the cost, here's, here's what we decided. I didn't have to pray about it. See, when you talk about it, said, give what you have decided in your heart to give. We're going to write it, write it to Anchor Ben. And that's on top of the $100,000 we've given since 2019 to 2022. Why would you say that? Because I'm your leader. You, I, I, I feel like I'm going to follow David's example. Here's what I'm doing because I can't do nothing. And then look at verse four, 5 and 6. Here's my question to you. It's the same question that David now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? And then look at what it says. Isn't this powerful? The families, the leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave willing. And then look at what I love what verse 9 says. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole and blameless heart, they had offered freely to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. I need you to know we have given without expectation of you doing anything. But my question to you is, will you follow my example? Will you do something? And in fact, here's what I'm going to ask. If you say, I'll do something, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at. If you're a guest, 
you do not have to, this has nothing to do with you. This is, you just sit back and enjoy this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over each one of you who are standing. Because here's the reality. You're just saying, I, I'm not going to do nothing. And so I want you to do what Phyllis and I did. We've been talking about this, praying about it. I didn't come to this decision lightly. In fact, it took me two phases. The first one was, okay, I can do that. And the second one is, who that's really going to cost. We actually had to go figure some things out because we had plans. We have some dreams. We have some, it's like, well, and let me, let me just tell you this too. You got to make a decision based on, and if God doesn't do anything because of my giving, I'm willing to pay that price. Because sometimes we give, we're like, God, I'm asking you to multiply. And I got it, 30, 60, 100, 40. I'm telling you, I decided to give if God doesn't do a thing because he's worthy. He's called us. We were built for battle. So whether that battle happens here or whether that battle happens somewhere else, we're not going anywhere as a church. We may move locations, but we're going to do something. I'm going to pray over you. And this is what, if you're standing, there ought to be a, a uh, pledge card. Grab it real quick. Now, let me just explain this pledge card. I don't like pledge cards. Never have, never will. And here's the beauty. When we're debt free, you're never going to see any of this ever again. But I will tell you the bank has asked us for a plan. Their grace is very thin right now. And telling them that our church is fired up is not going to work. <laughs> just telling you. The, the calls are getting much sharper. And that's because they're looking at what I just showed you. And they're saying, well, you ain't going to be able to do it anyway. But if I can take them a plan and say, this is what our people have said we're going to do. I have decided. Then what we can do is lay it before the bank and say, you decide if you think. And then whatever they say, yes, no, it doesn't matter. Why? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. And I'm asking God to do something. To fill you with his grace, with his clarity, with his favor, and with his strength. And then if you're online, the pledge card is actually at the Give tab on the website. You just go there, fill it out. And I'm not telling you you have to give it today, but I am asking you to bring that pledge card back this month because of the urgency of where we're at. You understand that? And then what we'll do is we'll celebrate. I'm not exactly sure because here's... Here's what I want us to be very careful of. And I'm going to say this so I don't forget it. Sometimes I forget things. The people that come into our church next week should not feel what we're feeling today. We were made to carry this. They don't know. So you don't need to say, oh, what was it? No, no, no. This is us. We got it. We got it. They walk in, they ought to feel like, man, that's my God. They ought to feel the same thing you have felt for the last 12 months. You understand? Father, I pray right now over every family, every individual, every teenager that is standing right now saying, I'm going to do something. Lord, here's what I'm asking. Give them clarity. 
Give them grace. Give them favor. Give them strength. Lord, we were made for this. And Lord, just the courage to step out and do what they have decided to do. And God, I thank you for that. And Lord, if your miracle comes and we keep the building, to God be the glory. If it doesn't come the way we thought, to God be the glory. And we surrender everything to you. This is your church. And we're grateful that you have trusted us with this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate. God is awesome. Now, here's what I'm going to do. You notice there wasn't any music in all that because this ain't an emotional decision. When I tell you better count the cost, you need to count it. And then here's what we'll do. Look, we're going to do a soft close. Some of you, God has spoken to you or you feel led to do something right now. Giving centers are here. They're in the foyer. We're not going to take up an offering. But I just want to invite you that in this moment, I did ask them, I'm going to bless you. We're going to do a soft close. If you're ready to go, go. If you want to sit and just kind of linger in what God is doing, you got about 25 minutes before, or no, you got about 15 minutes or so before we got to get ready for the third service. And just feel freedom to do whatever you want to do. And then uh, we're going to be back here next week, every one of us inviting friends and people to come experience the life change that God has for them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance and give you great peace. We love you, church. God bless you. We're going to build an unstoppable church. Come on.